Can I, on behalf of our church, uh, wish you a very happy Christmas and a very joyful Christmas. And even if your circumstances are difficult at this time, we do pray that this period will be a, a little window of joy in your life. Now, tonight, we are focusing on one particular facet of the promised save, uh, the promised one who was to come. We're focusing on the fact that the baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was the promised Savior. So I'd just like to think with you for a few minutes about all that is meant by that term, Savior. James, in our first reading, uh, gave us the very first promise in the Bible of the coming Savior. And the sad context was that Adam and Eve had just turned their backs on God. Eve had been led to believe that there was an exciting future which lay before her, but she was told that God was withholding it from her. So with a certain self-interest, she allowed herself to believe the beguiling words of the serpent, and she took matters into her own hands. And then she persuaded her husband to follow her dream. But when God came to visit visit them that evening, they knew something terrible had happened. God asked each of them how it had happened. Adam manfully blamed his wife Eve. And when God asked Eve what had happened, she was partly honest when she cried out in anguish, I was deceived. The serpent deceived me. Now, Being deceived doesn't sound like a criminal offence. Many of us, I dare say, have been deceived at some time in our life. Perhaps we've been deceived into making an unwise investment or deceived into believing things we read on the internet about what was really behind COVID or even deceived by our passions and in relationships. There is usually something within us that believes what we want to believe. And perhaps you think uh, that that's not desperately serious. It's maybe only a mild fault. But I was reminded recently about just how serious it can be to allow ourselves to be deceived. I was reading the work of a a German journalist writer writing shortly after the end of the Second World War. She had always been a Nazi sympathizer. She had been enthralled by Hitler and the vision he had presented of a much enlarged and wealthier Germany. It appealed to her greed and to her sense of superiority. And she describes in her book how the majority of the nation gradually came to accept Hitler's vision. But later in her book, she describes the feelings after the war. When she surveyed the ruins of German cities, and indeed the cities which Germany had devastated, she tries to explain what came over the German people to bring such devastation upon themselves and upon the whole world. She summed up the reason with real anguish in her heart in these words. She said, we were deceived. We were beguiled by Hitler 
and his promises. We wanted to believe the lies which Hitler preached. We wanted to believe in the dream he held out to us. It appealed to our pride and our selfishness. If Eve could have foreseen the untold suffering which her deception would eventually bring upon the whole world, we can only imagine the heart-wrenching pathos and despair with which she said those words to the Lord. I was deceived. She didn't know the trouble that that would bring, but God did know. He knew far better than Eve the devastation which would come upon this world. And yet, even as God's heart was breaking with pain, that was the very moment God gave the first promise of someone who would save humanity from their own sin, from their willingness to be deceived by lies. And he gave the first promise of a saviour. When the Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here God promised that someone would come who would win the battle against the lies of the serpent, although it would be at great cost to himself. That promise in Eve's darkest times saved her from plunging into total despair, even as her life and her family fell apart. And down through the centuries, the promise of a saviour was reinforced by messengers from God, until we come to what I think is the final restating uh, to Joseph of the promise of a saviour, which Scott read to us from Matthew's account. And the final, the final promise of a saviour was this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This promise was not for a promise of delivery from oppression by a foreign power, it was not merely the promise of forgiveness. It was the promise to save us from ourselves, from that inner fault which makes us want to believe lies which appeal to our selfishness, but which end up bringing suffering. Our world today is awash with lies that have turned people away from God in their minds. Some want to believe that there is no God, so they believe the lie that we're only here by a series of random flukes. Others want to believe that they can live life on their own, that they, if only they could try hard enough, that they will be a good person through their own efforts. Others have been deceived in relationships with dreams that could never be fulfilled. And the Son of God was born in Bethlehem, and he came into this world to destroy the lies of the devil. He came to bring absolute truth, the truth about God and the absolute truth about ourselves. He does not appeal to our vanity or to our selfishness. He came to bear witness to the truth. In fact, he is the truth. And by revealing himself to us, he can set us free from being willfully deceived by lies. So let's end by seeing how being saved from ourselves works out in practice. Priscilla read to us uh, Paul's own account of how he was saved. 
Paul was the author of many books in the New Testament. And in 1 Timothy, Paul describes him himself in what nowadays we would call an extreme sinner, the worst type of sinner. He was very religious, very intense, but his religious devotion had at its heart a certain self-interest and pride. Paul describes the incarnation later in his life. He describes the incarnation of Jesus, the Son of God, in these words. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, echoing the words of the angel to Joseph. He will save his people from their sins. And Paul acknowledges that he was a sinner, the worst of sinners, and that Jesus saved him. So what did being saved look like in Paul's life? He describes what he was like naturally in these very honest terms. He says, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Even though Paul was religious, there was a deep-seated aggression and violence in his nature. And it only revealed itself when Paul was beaten in an argument or when his view did not prevail. Once, when he could not silence the quiet logic and wisdom of that wonderful Christian, Stephen, Paul responded by sheer violence and murder. All Paul's religious motivation and his drive to be perfect according to God's law could not change his inward sinful character. The fear of eternal punishment could not change him. But when he met Jesus in his life, he found he had been deceived by all his theological learning and deceived by his inner aggression. And coming to know Jesus did change him. Here is how he describes how Jesus changed him. He said, I was shown mercy. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. When Paul surveyed all the suffering he had caused in countless families through his persecution, he might have expected Christ to punish him and to condemn him. But instead, he discovered that Jesus showed him grace. Jesus was prepared to take that suffering of Christians upon himself, and he showed mercy and grace to Paul. Christ Jesus not only forgave Paul and offered him, but he offered him the chance to be a trusted servant and to bring the good news of the promised Savior to the world, the Savior who offers mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And for 2,000 years, people have been entering into the good of being saved, even today, by that same promised Savior. And the promise of a Savior is just as relevant today for us as it was for Paul when he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's just take a moment to commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful time of year when we can learn something more of the reality behind Christmas, when your Son came into this world to save us from our sins. We pray, Father, this might be the experience of all of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.